Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Amen. Glory to God. It's always a blessing to be able to come to you in your car or wherever you are. Amen, as my good friend Fred Willis says. Praise you, Jesus. You know, with everything that has gone on in this nation politically, and I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his win, I know a lot of uh, people were voting for Hillary. The country right now is the most divided it has ever been since the Civil War. Almost exactly 50% against 50%. Brother against brother. Father against child. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. Just like the Bible says it will be. I urge everyone who thinks that rioting is the answer, get a grip. We know the spirit behind the riots. We pray that the new president will surround himself with godly advisors and that his spirit will be such that he will listen to their advice. But more importantly... It is so very important everyone realize right now how close the soon return of Jesus is to set up his kingdom. And that's what we're going to be studying today, the kingdom of God. We, we started this before and we're continuing it now. But first, let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer and we will lift up the name of Jesus as we get ready to start. Amen. Father. In Jesus' name, we have access to the throne room and come before your throne this day, your throne of grace and of mercy, that we may obtain mercy and find grace that helps in our time of need. Father, we need you now more than ever. We need Jesus in the hearts of our leaders We need the Spirit of God poured out across this land and around the world. We need the peace that comes only through having Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
In reality, it does not matter who runs the nation. The only thing that should truly matter to every individual in this nation and around the world is who is your eternal king. Who is it that you are serving with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might? Because if you're serving Jesus, if he is truly your king, he will bring you before great men. He'll bring you before anyone who has any type of influence to make change in this earth. So, Father, we thank you right now for your presence in this broadcast. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here right now, leading and guiding the conversation, leading and guiding us through the scriptures, all to bring honor, glory, and praise to the Father. Through Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Join me in our confession of faith. As we get ready to get started, we do this to lay the solid foundation upon which we can build. Amen. Glory to God. I'm excited about today's broadcast. I really am. The, The message that the Lord has given me this day, I believe, is one that needs to be heard in this day and this time. Amen. But join me in our confession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. Just repeat these words after me and pray them with all your heart, for we need this to come to pass now. We need this word to get out into this world in this day and this time. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. But the third day he rose again from the scriptures. He ascended up into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Shout amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Whew. The last time we studied this, glory to God, was uh, two weeks ago. And we had a brief uh, interlude there as we uh, studied the biblical aspect of uh, this election was taking place in the United States. If you're listening to this on the recording, uh, last week we had the election of Donald Trump to the presidency. Okay, Some people will be listening to this months, maybe even years from now, but that's what we were studying last week. Right now, I want to get back into the study of the kingdom of God. And the last time we studied in Luke chapter 17 about Jesus' first coming. 
his first coming, he established the internal spiritual kingdom. And now we're going to study that, but we want to look at his second coming. And he takes that to the end of the age. A lot of people call it the end of the world because it's the end of the world as they know it. The world does not end. Okay? There is a cleansing that takes place and new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. And we that are caught up in the first catching away of the church, the rapture, will return with Jesus to reign a thousand years on this earth. And then the the war of Armageddon takes place. Jesus wipes everybody out. And, and at that point in time... Everything is renewed. New Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, and we dwell here on this earth in New Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. We're, we're, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But hear me now. After this whole universe, as we know it, is destroyed, Jesus will create the new heaven, the new earth, in which eternally, and really for the first time since the fall of Adam, both the spiritual and the natural kingdoms will be merged into one. Glory to God. That's the picture of the that's the big picture of the kingdom of God. The union of his creation once again firmly firmly in the hands of those who were destined to rule. And the ruler is the king, the son of God. The son of God, the second Adam. The first Adam fell, but the second one will never fall. Amen. But I want to talk today about the kingdom of God. In particular, I want us to study and talk about the visible kingdom. Amen. And his invisible kingdom. And as I said, we began to study this last time. Have you ever witnessed a real king or queen's coronation? I mean, you know, most people living today have not seen that. Because our closest ally is Queen Elizabeth. But she has been ruling for decades. All right. I know Prince Charles is probably thinking, man... Who's going to you know live longer, her or me? I mean, he's been groomed from a child to take over the kingdom. But here she is, like 90-some years old, still trucking along. Amen. Where most rulers, most king, queens, rulers die in their 60s and 70s. She's, last, she's outlasted by 25 years, her predecessors. Amen. Anyway, it's... I would imagine the most elaborate event that the world would ever see. The most the most magnificent event, the most grandiose ceremony that could ever be held would be a coronation. Now, like I said, I've never been to one. I've seen a couple of, you know, like the king or queen of Spain and, and things like that on television. And they really do pull out all the stops. Even, in fact, when the person being crowned really has a rather insignificant role to play in the ceremony, if you can get right down to it. Uh, they're just told where to go, where to stand, and what to do. 
But that's a holdover back from the days when the crowning of a king was intended to be that way. It was intended to be massive, if not awesome. And even a frightening impression on the people because after all, a king was a king and a king or a queen in some case had absolute power until very recently. Absolute authority to do absolutely whatever they wanted to do. Whenever they wanted to do it, with whomever they wanted to do it with. I mean, that's what it would mean to be a king. And you were his subjects. You were subject to every whim, every desire, every ruling made by that king. And we can see the all on, on, on television and you can see movies and all that. All the vestiges of the coronation. and We've seen what a grand event it would be in the most austere and magnificent buildings available to the people uh, with the most lavish styles of clothes, all attended by leaders from all the various countries and significant and important people from all walks of life. These are all signs. I mean, even though... We're not talking about the coronation of a king or a queen right now. You could use it in a very real way with the swearing in, the inauguration of a new president. I mean, they pull out all the styles. There's tens and hundreds of thousands of people standing out in the cold in January witnessing the event. Hundreds of millions more watching it on television. All around the world. So we have an idea of the importance people put upon the coronation. Amen? And these are all the signs and power of the signs of the privileges of the authority given to these rulers. These are the magnificent emblems of what it means to be a monarch or a king or a president and to have absolute supremacy and sovereignty over a nation. Our Lord Jesus made the claim that he was a king. But there was no such coronation for him when he came here the first time. There was a very meager coronation, as a matter of fact, at least from the public's viewpoint, a few sort of low-life shepherds showed up in a filthy, stinking stable and bowed down to a baby that had just been born in a manger. One night in this small, obscure town called Bethlehem. And there was another coronation of sorts sometime later, when some Persian kingmakers, strangers, foreigners showed up and came to see that very same child and offered gifts that were of such a substantial nature, it provided for the upbringing of this new monarch in the world in which he lived. And this indicated that truly, indeed, he was a king. But it was also a very private event. And purposely, it was kept private. And the fact that it was so private upset the reigning king that even with a threat 
that it could be a real king. The threat to his throne. He decided to kill every single baby boy who might be that king and might be a threat to his throne. You might even say that the greatest king that ever came into the world came in with no appropriate coronation. And that would certainly be true. But then again, not only was his coronation not unlike other coronations, his kingdom was not like any other kingdom as well. In fact, Jesus was the one who said, my kingdom is not of this world. It was actually Jesus said, the kingdom's here and I'm the king. But the people didn't believe it. He just didn't look the part of a king. He didn't look like a king. He didn't act like a king. There is no pomp and circumstance to indicate the establishment of any kingdom. Now with that in mind, go back to Luke chapter 17. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. And we're going to look in verses 20 and 21. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Neither shall they say, Oh, he's over here or over there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The Jews had an immense expectation for the coming king and his kingdom and the great pomp and circumstance that would take place and that he would defeat the Roman authorities. They were waiting almost in a posture of holding their breath. Some believed Jesus was this coming king, but he wasn't acting like it. Even at the time of the birth of Jesus, Anna and Simeon were waiting for the kingdom of God to arrive. The kingdom promised in the Old Testament, anticipated for centuries. And their patience was running out. They were getting old. The ongoing pagan conquerors that had occupied the land of Israel were so distasteful and public disappointment was rising and mounting and the people wanted the kingdom of God to come now. For example, Joseph of Arimathea, who showed up to take the body of Christ, he's identified, the Bible says, as one waiting for the kingdom. Luke 23, 51 says, Joseph was a man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he wasn't the only one either. He was just one of many who were waiting for the kingdom, hoping that the kingdom would come. And when the king did come, he didn't look like a king. When he said the kingdom had already arrived, it didn't look like a kingdom. The Pharisees were convinced that he was just a phony, that he was a charlatan and a fraud and was trying to pass himself off to the people of Israel as a king, when in fact he wasn't a king and didn't have a kingdom. That's what they were telling the people. The ultimate mockery was to be put on the cross a sign that this is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. 
That was put there with disdain and scorn and sarcasm, like I just said it. That just dripped with hatred. But ultimately, <laughs> three days later, it was found to be true. Amen. But Jesus talked about being a king all of the time. And he talked about the kingdom of God all of the time. In fact, it was such a constant thing in his ministry to talk about the kingdom. So it's somewhat natural that eventually they're going to get around to asking him about it. And that's what they did in verse 20. Let's look at this again. Verse 20. And when it was demanded of the Pharisees, when should the kingdom of God should come? Then he answered and said to them, let me just stop there for a minute, just to give you a little idea of how much he talked about the kingdom. Let's just turn back for a second to chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Amen. And we're just going to basically skim through Luke very quickly. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Luke 4, verse 43. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Chapter 6, verse 20. It begins the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor, or poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Chapter 7, verse 28. I say to you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John, yet he who's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Chapter 8, verse 1. He began going about from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Chapter 9, it's the same thing. The chapter begins with, He called the twelve together, gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases, and He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. In verse 11, The multitudes were following Him and welcoming Him, and He began speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 27, the words of Jesus, I say to you truthfully, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. In verse 60 at the same time, the ninth, uh, the ninth chapter, yeah. Allow the dead to bury their own dead, he said. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Of God. In verse 62, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Then in chapter 10, verse 9, he said, The kingdom of God has come near to you. In chapter 11, verse 20, If I cast out demons by the finger of God, then you should know the kingdom of God has come upon you. I mean, he preached the kingdom of God, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Then he said, as demonstrated by his power over Satan and all the demons, the kingdom of God is near. And they said, the kingdom of God has come. He preached the kingdom, and he preached that the kingdom had come already. Amen. 
In chapter 11, the same emphasis, the kingdom has come. Chapter 12, verse 31, seek for his kingdom and these things will be added to you. He preached on the kingdom as recorded in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 16, chapter 17, chapter 18. He preached the kingdom, particularly in the 18th chapter, where in verse 29, he said this, there is nobody who has ever left their house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive now many times more in this present life and then in the age to come, eternal life. And then he preached the kingdom again in chapter 19, 21, 22, as we noted also in chapter 23. He preached about the kingdom of God. Jesus was a kingdom preacher. And he has instructed us to do what? Preach the kingdom of God as well. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Shout amen, somebody. Glory to God. I want to turn real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 10. You know, my calling is Ezekiel chapters 2 and chapter 3. That's my calling into the ministry. My charge now for the past two years, maybe three, my charge, my focus of the ministry is contained in what the Lord spoke to me through his scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8 and 9. As you go, this is speaking to me, in my Bible, it says, Bob, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then to confirm that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give, and provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, nor two coats, nor shoes, or safe. For the workman is worthy of his hire. He's telling me, rely on donations for this ministry. Don't worry about the financial aspect. But I want to bring the focus back to the first part. As you go, preach. And this is what you're going to preach. That the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus himself was a kingdom preacher. He preached the kingdom of God everywhere he went, and he told us to be preachers of the kingdom as well. Amen? Yet many preachers today do not want to do that. Why aren't all the preachers preaching about the kingdom of God? It was good enough for Jesus. Are you saying you're better than Jesus? Are you saying you know more than Jesus? Do you think for one second you can out-preach Jesus? I'm falling back into my drill sergeant days, I know. But think about it. Why are not more preachers today preaching about the kingdom of God? 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.